one with a little furry kitten, which really has no bag, hardly any body mass to it, but it's kind of nice and cuddly and strokey. But it doesn't really serve a huge purpose as regards uh, what you wanted to buy the mastiff for. That's woolly. And on that note, and on that definition, I think we shall call it a day. Thank you very much. You heard there David Roche, President and Global Strategist at Independent Strategy, RTHK's International Economics Correspondent Barry Wood, and Carlos Casanova, Senior Asia Economist at UBP. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning. Uh, in Australia, first of all, the SX200 up about 0.4%. Similar story uh, in Japan and also uh, in South Korea as well with the Cosby. Uh, futures markets indicating a flat open for the Hang Seng in about uh, just under an hour's time. Great crude oil also flat right now at $71.06 a barrel. Uh, gold slightly weaker, $1,800 an ounce. And that's it from me. Do please jo join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Anna Fenton in just a moment. The weather forecast, sunny periods, few isolated showers, isolated thunderstorms in the morning and then hot during the day around 32 degrees. And it'll be very hot tomorrow and there's going to be a few showers and sunny intervals in the following couple of days. 29 degrees right now, 82% relative humidity. 8.31 and a half, here's Barry O'Rourke with a half-hour news. Following Chief Executive Carrie Lam's warning to the Law Society not to be political, five lawyers who had advocated professionalism over politicisation have been elected to the city's largest solicitors group, 20-member council. The high-profile election came after Mrs Lam warned the group to stay out of politics or risk the fate of the Professional Teachers' Union, which disbanded after the government cut ties with it. Lawmaker Paul Tay, who's also a solicitor, said the CE's comments may have had some effect. Normally, would expect a, a sort of a warning. You've heard a com comment from uh, Terry Lamb. I have the opposite effect, but on this occasion, it turned out that it might have just hit the, uh, the right uh, button, since that people are not uh, so keen about the profession uh, losing its uh, self-governing uh, uh, capacity. So, in a way, that uh, that might have worked. An employer representative says they are worried they will lose good workers if they force staff to get inoculated against COVID-19. The Life Honorary Chairman of the Small and Medium Enterprises Association, Danny Lau, made the comments after the CE urged the companies to follow the government's example of requiring staff to be vaccinated or to pay for their own regular COVID testing. Employers are facing uh, they will lose some, some good personnel because uh, employees may, may uh, push back and refuse to get vaccinated and, and quit. Uh, nowadays, it's rather difficult to get good employees. Overseas, President Biden has reiterated that he's confident that the evacuation mission from Afghanistan can be completed by the August the 31st deadline. But he added that he'd asked the Pentagon to provide contingency plans in case of problems. We are currently on a pace to finish by August the 31st. The sooner we can finish, the better. Each day of operations brings added risk to our troops. But the completion by August 31st depends upon the Taliban continuing to cooperate and allow access to the airport for those who were, trans were transporting out and no disruptions to our operations. Democrats in the U.S. House of Representatives have reached a compromise that brings President Biden's $1 trillion U.S. infrastructure bill a step closer to being enacted. 
They'll vote in September on legislation already approved by the Senate. Progressives had wanted the bill to be tied to another piece of Mr Biden's agenda, a massive increase in spending on education, health care and climate change resiliency. And the former governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, who stepped down on Monday, has had a special Emmy Award for his COVID briefings rescinded. It was revoked after Mr Cuomo's resignation following a multiple sexual harassment scandal. His successor has been sworn in. More news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today, Anna Fenton. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. Today we're talking about domestic helpers and about the Law Society. Foreign domestic helpers from the Philippines and Indonesia will be allowed to enter Hong Kong starting from next Monday, as long as they've received two doses of COVID-19 jabs. Philippine authorities estimated that as many as 3,000 helpers will be able to fly in. But the chief executive, Carrie Lam, said the SER can't allow many thousands of workers to enter each week and the numbers will have to be controlled. The government has already identified one hotel where helpers will spend 21 days in quarantine. Uh, it's understood the Silka Hotel in Chunwan will be able to supply about 400 rooms. Many employers said they're facing a labour shortage due to the pandemic flight bans, but they're also worried the new arrivals may bring the highly infectious Delta variant with them. What do you think of the measures? Is it worth the risk for letting helpers in? Should arrivals be quarantined at hotels or in special camps? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page backchat on rthk radio 3 you can email us backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us and our number is 233 after 9 15 we're going to be joined by legislator holden chow to discuss results in that law society election if you want to comment we want to hear from you backchat at rthk.hk is the email address joining us for our first discussion now we have with us uh, any listari founder of the association of indonesian migrant workers uh, thomas Chan Tung Fung, who's the chair of the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies, and Dr. Joseph Chung, who's the co-chairman of the Hong Kong Medical Association's Communicable Diseases Committee. Good morning to uh, all of you. Uh, Mr. Starry, maybe we'll, we'll start with you. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, what do you make of this, uh, this uh, change in policy and uh, the new arrangements? Well, uh, we actually welcome uh, the decision of the Hong Kong government to finally lift the ban on entry of the domestic workers. For many months, a lot of people have been complaining that they are not able to enter despite, you know, uh, the visa has been approved and so forth. So many of them are being stranded even in the Philippine Indonesia. So practically this is going to be new development. Uh, but again, because of the two uh, jobs, uh, mandatory uh, vaccination, so many of them are now trying to get the jobs. So it's up to the government of Indonesia and the Philippines to really speed up the process of vaccination for the prospect migrants or, uh, you know, homeless migrants so they will be able to leave the country. So this is kind of a new development and good development. But again, our home government has a lot of work to do in this part. How do we know that these vaccinations are going to be genuine? Because I have to say that when the seafarers, um, there was a problem with seafarers earlier in the year, and it emerged that the cost of a COVID certificate was only two US dollars in Manila. So how are we going to be sure that these are genuine vaccination certificates? Yeah, well, I think uh, the best uh, people to answer is really Indonesian and Philippine government, you know, and we know that in our, in, in our home countries, many of things uh, can be very chaotic, bureaucratic, and yet, you know, corrupt. 
So I think uh, Indonesian and Philippine government and even other Chinese government accountable to its own people not to provide all this kind of fake and even provide special hotline to make sure that whatever jobs that we get is genuine and also the certificate that we have is really accredited by the you know World Health Organization. Uh, why the ch why the change in policy? It doesn't look like the numbers. Uh, well, the, uh, as far as I can see, the numbers are going down in Indonesia, but uh, in the Philippines, they've never been so high. The number of in infections is is this really the right time to open us up to uh, to those countries? Uh, I believe so. You know, because uh, a lot of the do um, domestic workers that. For example, I'm from Indonesia. A lot of people have been, you know, trying to find a way how to enter Hong Kong. And many of them, you know, even the number is high, doesn't mean that everyone is really infected. It's really a matter of how they will be able to access vaccination. We are happy that in the Philippines and Indonesia, the government finally include uh, domestic workers or migrant workers in the list of priority to get vaccination. The issue now here is how to access those vaccine, which is more genuine or maybe genuine. Uh, despite all those, you know, uh, lack of uh, uh, supply, you know, even the, the old people and not yet vaccinated. But also the second issue is really to make sure that all this vaccine that we obtain are going to be accredited and also world, uh, internationally recognized. So whether it's good time or not, I think there is really no good time. We just do not know when is to when. But with the vaccination, I believe that, you know, people are already um, somehow uh, safeguarded and then making sure that they are really free COVID, you know, uh, virus when they travel abroad. Mm. Uh, Dr. Jung, good morning to you. Hello, Dr. Jung? Hello. Hi, Hello. hi. Okay, thanks. Hi. Many, many thanks for, for joining us. Uh, what do you make of uh, this? Uh, the flights were suspended uh, in, uh, I think, May and June uh, from, from uh, the Philippines and, and from Indonesia because of the number of the cases. The number of cases has only gone up uh, since then. Uh, so what do you think of this change of policy? Well, I think uh, we have to arrange those uh, domestic helpers coming to Hong Kong in an orderly, controlled manner. Uh, because we have to um, uh, take into account of the, um, the accommodations uh, in the Ponzin Hotel as well as um, in the hospitals. Um, so actually we have to uh, discuss with the Philippine as well as Indonesian government uh, carefully whenever, um, as regard to the numbers of um, uh, domestic helpers coming to Hong Kong, uh, on weekly basis. So uh, if that's the case, I think the risk is not that high. Um, but of course, those um, uh, helpers coming to Hong Kong, people boarding onto the plane, they have to show up. Um, they have already received two doses of vaccines. So um, as well as to go to the quarantine hotels for medical surveillance, undergo and repeated viral testings before they go to their employer's home. So I think if they somehow go through all these uh, hurdles, uh, steps, I think um, it's pretty safe. And do you think that the employers in Hong Kong are willing to pay for all of this because there's obviously an additional cost? Well, this is an automatic for the employers to consider. As long as we can uh, over the supply, uh, not stopping the domestic helpers coming to Hong Kong, then the next question is whether the 
employers in Hong Kong accept this arrangement. Of course, some argues that um, uh, whether there would be any uh, possibilities of their domestic helper acquire the infections during the quarantine period, as well as the cause uh, implied for uh, staying in the quarantine hotel. So this is somehow, I think, um, the government can uh, can discuss with uh, uh, with uh, uh, the hotel as well as, as the employers union as well as other uh, I mean the domestic helper agency see whether there is any um, I mean uh, areas that we can uh, somehow be uh, uh, agreed by each party. It seems like this is another area that's ripe for exploitation. Um, is there a danger that many helpers could acquire major debts here if the cost of all of these arrangements are somehow put on to them? Well, um, actually, uh, this is something that we have to look into very carefully. So that's why I think the Chief, Chief Executive, uh, Kelly Lamb, um, already mentioned uh, in yesterday press um, we have to arrange this, uh, uh, um, I mean, the supply of domestic helper from these two countries in a very orderly, order, orderly manner. So uh, I think a quota has, has to be set up um, so as to make sure that um, the, the, the helpers coming to Hong Kong is not under, is not under threat. Um, and the risk is um, somehow controlled. Um, so uh, I want to uh, emphasize that um, the, the cost, um, I mean, transmissions within the quarantine hotel um, has been a question or uh, issues that we have to address. So that's why we have to make sure that uh, those workers has to be uh, allocated uh, in two, one to two centralized uh, quarantine hotel to make sure that um, the resources, testings, air ventilations, hygiene, as well as the accommodations um, um, is properly arranged so as to minimize the uh, possibility of getting uh, infection within the quarantine hotel. So, um, yeah, this is something that we have to look into. Do you think hotel workers are going to be willing to work? In, under these conditions? Well, yeah, um, I think there, there should be um, some attraction uh, for some of the uh, helpers, as well as for some of the employees as well, um, because um, this is a good news um, uh, since around one year ago, uh, after stopping all the uh, import and uh, the supply of the domestic helpers from these two countries. Uh, I mean, do we have to rely on the on the hotel? I mean, first of all, do we know did cross contamination happen in, in in the hotel? Have we got have we got a clear answer on that previously? Uh, and and uh, anyway, all those concerns about the ventilation and so on in the hotels so wouldn't it make more sense to put to uh, put uh, these people travelling uh, in uh, in proper quarantine facilities, i.e., what we have at Penny's Bay? Maybe make it more comfortable and more attractive and uh, and and so on. Uh, but that would be the best place from a medical point of view to put these people yeah i, I do think uh, that we have to space our uh, 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 i mean arrival days uh, as well as uh, to make sure that um, uh, domestic helper either in the, on the plane 
as well as in the quarantine hotel, they are not, um, um, uh, I, I mean, not overwhelmed. They have to stay, uh, stay there uh, in a very, I mean, with a distance. Uh, so uh, make sure, making sure that um, the, the air ventilations, air exchange is up to standard. Um, all this kind of thing has to be fulfilled. Mm. All right. Uh, uh, also with us is uh, Thomas Chan, uh, uh, chair of the Hong Kong Union of Employment uh, Agencies. Uh, Mr. Chan, uh, good morning to you. What, uh, uh, you must be you must be uh, happy that uh, at least the business is returning. Yes, uh, I think the industry is happy to welcome this alleged uh, change. But one thing uh, we are concerned uh, is about the room available. First, according to our estimate. There are about 4,000-something Filipino strangers in Manila and about 1,500-something Indonesian strangers in Jakarta or in Surabaya. Uh, so if by the news available, currently only one hotel uh, offering about 400 rooms, it will take a long, long time for those workers to come. And this is quite uh, big sharp difference from the expectations of employers. Because most of the employers, I think all of them, they waited for over three months or six months, or some of them in extreme cases, almost one year. Now you ask them to wait for another one, at least six months or even one year for the workers to come. It's quite terrible for them. Second, uh, for those workers, if they got two shots, before uh, before this time, and then after one year, that's the time to let them come to Hong Kong. Then no more effect of the uh, anti-party level. They have to sh- sh- to get jobs again. It's quite uh, ridiculous. So uh, we are requesting, uh, or we are appealing to government to allow uh, more workers to come. Of course, we we agree and we understand. The orderly manner is important in control of the people or in control of the disease spreading in the case. Uh, however, from the past experience, uh, especially for the last year, from July last year until now, for all quarantine uh, experience in Hong Kong, we don't see, we don't see there is a large scale of spreading of the virus. And Perhaps the government can provide more details, data uh, to support this idea. Do you know, is there any suggestion that other uh, hotels will be identified to speed things up? Uh, so far, we just uh, learned about it from the media. The hmm. current uh, the hotel might be definitely the super hotel in two months. Hmm. Uh, actually, uh, for the industry or from point of employers, we don't mind which hotel or where is the hotel. We mind much more about the rooms available. Mm. As you say, it would take something like nine months to, to, to uh, uh, process all those uh, arrivals uh, if you only had the one hotel. Uh, uh, here's a question in an email. This is from Leon, and maybe Mr. Chan, you can help with this. Uh, Leon says, if a foreign domestic uh, helper is returning to Hong Kong, uh, is the employer obliged to pay for the 21 days quarantine stay, or is the foreign domestic helper expected to pay some or all of the bill? Will the government consider imposing a cap on the room rate that the designated quarantine hotels for foreign 
and domestic helpers can charge. That's from Leon. Mr. Chan, do you know uh, who, who pays for the quarantine? Yeah, according to current uh, labor law, it's employer to pay for everything, uh, to pay for the swap test, pay for the hotel, quarantine. Uh, that, that's also another point we want to make sure, because uh, if government only uh, vaccinated one or even two hotels, especially for workers, we are a little bit worried or we are a little bit afraid there might be some kind of a monopoly over the rooms available. Then you, you, everyone understands the hotel rooms, they adjust the price anytime. If nobody check in, the hotel rooms are very cheap, even they, they give you the free buffet. But once there is a strong demand, they increase the price immediately at 1,000, 2,000, or even more. That, that's, that's also, we want to know, we want the government to make sure there is a fixed price, especially the fixed price for each room. Because for, even for last year's experience, I could tell you, for some hotel rooms, they told the government, okay, the room is 500 uh, per night. But once you really go to book, oh, sorry, the 500 rooms, no more. Now it's 600, 800, or even 900. It's like an air ticket. The lowest class is only about 5% of the total tickets available. So I am afraid the hotel will take the same strategy or kick <laughs> and, or to maximize the profits. Okay, an email from MT who says, let's be honest, any additional costs for the employer will be deducted from the helper's salary and the government has no methods or efforts to stop such practices. Uh, you were worried about sharp practice among the hotels. Doesn't that happen with the employers as well, though? Any extra costs are paid eventually by the, uh, by the helper? Uh, if employers deduct the salary from the workers after quarantine, of course, it's 100% illegal. Uh, I would encourage workers to report if there is really such a case. We 100% support workers should fight for their rights and employers should not do it this way. Uh, from my experience, especially from, I think from agencies' experience, uh, I, I don't see any such case in the past year. Mm. Mr. Chan, do you think this is fundamentally a racist policy to put, to segregate a group of people like this and, and put them all in the one place? Is there not an argument for spreading the risk yes, around? Yes, there's another argument. Because uh, it's quite funny. Yesterday I, I, I heard from one uh, hotel association per, uh, the person in uh, hotel association. Even the hotel themselves, they are afraid of being labeled as Gong uh, Zhao Dim, it means housemaid hotel. <laughs> and then uh, if the government uh, really uh, only specially designated some hotels, one or two or three, as only for the purpose to accommodate workers, then there is a question why these workers must be grouped in those places uh, for the country listed as A country, uh, category A. Suppose there are over 10 countries, uh, American, uh, United States, uh, United States, uh, Britain, something, uh, India, but all of them, 
they don't need to be specially requested to stay in some kind of hotel. They can stay in overall about 30-something some, mm. uh, hotel together with Hong Kong residents. So, uh, anyway, now I, I just want to, 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 to ask the question from the doctor. Yeah. Do they have any special scientific data to support it based on the last year? Workers yeah. are more contagious to other people. Otherwise, they really have a labeling function to the workers. Dr. Zhang? Yes, yeah. Um, well, um, it's a matter of whether you really want to um, uh, execute this kind of policy uh, to Hong Kong. Um, um, because we all know that uh, right now there are also no, um, uh, I mean, rules or regulations saying that all incoming travelers has to be uh, fully vaccinated. So um, if we somehow um, uh, somehow issue certain kind of regulations saying that for domestic helpers coming from uh, either these two countries has to be vaccinated, would it uh, be also um, a problem uh, uh, as regarded to the racial discriminations? Uh, yeah, you can also argue about this. So for the for the arrangement of uh, um, uh, asking them to be centrally allocated into uh, one to two quarantine hotels, I think from um, for for easy contact tracing, uh, especially uh, we are dealing with uh, um, hundreds and thousands of families uh, who are going to employ uh, uh, foreign domestic helpers, just in case one of them uh, get infected it will somehow affect the families, I mean the local families. So you can see that the, the spreading of the transmissions can be huge. Um, if we do not have uh, enough resources uh, to protect those domestic helpers coming to Hong Kong, um, that will somehow raise up another issues or uh, questions from the public. So I think um, uh, learning from the past few months or years, we know that intra-hotel transmissions of COVID-19 is possible by air transmissions. So we have to make sure that um, by whatever kind of uh, uh, transmissions within the hospital, we have to minimize. So um, we have to um, make sure that the resources, the manpower, um, the hardware, the software in those uh, quarantine hotels has to be strengthened up. So because we are dealing with a high volume of um, cases, I mean high volume of uh, domestic helpers coming to Hong Kong, although the C already mentioned in an orderly manner, but we have to make sure that all these uh, domestic helpers coming in are in good conditions. We don't want to have um, second-generation um, transmissions, uh, just in case one of them, several of them, get the infections. 
So, okay, okay. Any any Listari, can I can I just bring you in just before before the news? Well, what do you think about this? Because yes, these these practices, the requirements for vaccination, the special arrangements for a quarantine, uh, and so on, uh, like the, uh, the like the mandatory testing which we which we had previously for domestic helpers, uh, seem to be um, you know uh, especially uh, special arrangements for for domestic helpers, although they're just humans like 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 the rest of us. On the other hand, of course, you could argue that they're actually two. To your to the benefit of uh, helpers because they are they are not being allowed in from from these countries. What do you think of the arrangements? Yeah, I actually uh, share the sentiment that uh, while the measure is really needed, but when it becomes too much and targeting certain uh, population in the society, that it clearly there is no basis on that. I mean, COVID nineteen doesn't only infect on sick workers; it infects everyone. And I think the arrangement of specific hotel is something is going to lead to another practice of discrimination. And this is, uh, you know, uh, institutionalizing discrimination. I mean, if they, the government really, for us to be vaccinated, I think this is already like a guarantee that we, we are healthy. But then putting us into one specific, special hotel, I think is going to lead to another type of stigmatization as if that we are carrier of the coronavirus and how the family is going to welcome and, you know, live harmoniously, but if the, in the back of their mind, they are very suspicious of, of our health. And now the government is, you know, putting, uh, uh, mobilizing uh, the Hong Kong society uh, opinion that, you know, this hotel, this help for our, our you know, uh, potentially uh, virus spreader. So I think um, if the government putting all high-risk countries in one hotel, maybe it's not kind of discrimination, it's more like presentation. But then when they, you put one, uh, you know, a class or a decision or, or element in society into one specific arrangement, and I think that is very unfair. And as we learned in the, in the past, last year up to now, um, what has been subjected to a lot of unnecessary and very, uh, you know, discriminatory kind of policy, including like mandatory testing, while the rest of the family and the society are actually okay. not happy with that. Well, we're going to just take a break for three minutes and continue the discussion uh, after that. Uh, join in. Uh, give us a call, 233-88266. Also talking about the results from that Law Society election later with Holden Chow. The weather, sunny periods and a few showers, isolated thunderstorms this morning, 29 degrees now, humidity is at 81%. For those who were, trans- were transporting out, and no disruptions to our operations. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Back chat on a Wednesday morning with Anna Fenton and me, Hugh Hewitt, and we're talking about uh, domestic helpers, arrange, uh, arrangements for domestic helpers from, from Indonesia and the Philippines to uh, return to Hong Kong. Uh, we're joined now by Dr. John, John, sorry, Dr. Joseph Jung, who's uh, co-chairman of the Hong Kong Medical Association's Communicable Diseases Committee, uh, Thomas Chan, who's the chair of the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies, and Annie Lestari, founder of the Association of Indonesian Migrant Workers. Our email address is backchat at rthk.hk send us a message we'll do our best to uh, read it out or you can call us on 233-88266 or you can comment uh, on our facebook page that's backchat on rthk radio 3 which is where you can see marcus saying uh, more discrimination against hong kong's slave system why can't they stay in the designated hotels like everyone else? And Martin B says, Dear Backchat, I agree with Peter Kammerer's column in South China Morning Post. Cities' addiction to helpers puts 
society at risk. Every day there are reports of arriving helpers being found to be infected. It's time, says Martin B., that the mass importation of domestic helpers be reviewed. Families in most of the world can manage their careers and homes without home help. But here in Hong Kong, even families in public housing have servants. Under the current health crisis, only those persons who can demonstrate a genuine need should be allowed to bring in foreign nationals. Time for locals to wash their own dishes and their kids to carry their school bags. There is a large pool of middle-aged women currently underemployed who could be trained to do domestic work, but local families want to have a 24-7 service and shun this labour pool. On the opposite letters page, an Indian lady whinges about the difficulty she and her partner, two kids and two helpers face in getting back to Hong Kong that underlines the issue. Meanwhile, here at home, folk who are not regular overseas travellers and do their own housework are getting a lot of flack about their reluctance to get the jab, even though they are low risk. Please ask Mike Rouse next Monday if he employs a domestic helper. Time for a review of the domestic helper policy, but no doubt most government officials and LegCo members are addicted to cheap and docile labour, so little chance of any progress on that front. That comes from Martin B. Um, any Lestari, what, what would you say to Martin and people like Martin who make that point about domestic helpers in Hong Kong? Well, uh, I agree, actually, you know... Um Hong Kong has been uh, in need of domestic workers for a very long time. And I think uh, it really shows that uh, Hong Kong society has not been very self-reliant. And then I don't blame the Hong Kong people because really the public services is very lacking, you know, compared to other advanced countries where a lot of public services from childcare to, you know, elderly care are, 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 you know, a lot of them are subsidized by the government. Hong Kong is very expensive. So it's not kind of, you know, addiction in a way that they are really uh, wanting to have, but really because a lot of middle class family are really in everyone at work, so who will be taking care of the children elderly? So indirectly, it is really the Hong Kong government responsibility to really resolve all these issues. And now um, I really agree with some of the comments where all this kind of neglect by the Hong Kong government to the Hong Kong society need really, uh, you know, forcing employers and domestic workers to have to work together, you know, to make things out. But Indirectly, Hong Kong government is also imposing a lot of, you know, uh, kind of modern-day slavery uh, treatment to the domestic workers from mandatory live-in, very low wage, and, you know, a lot of uh, denial to our basic human rights. This is one thing that we have been fighting for for a long time. So I think what we want is really just society, inclusive society, respectful society. And I think this is one thing that Hong Kong has been lacking or even they miss they miss this kind of, you know, status for a very long time. So domestic workers has been really smooth in the city for the longest time, you know, in the history of Hong Kong. Hmm. Do you see that changing anytime soon? Well, I'm um, certainly not. You know, with all this pandemic, it's actually becoming worsening now. You know, uh, we are becoming subject of not only very abusive and very unjust kind of regulation, but also even publicly, we are becoming a target of suspicion. Even like, you know, this kind of policy, put everyone in one hotel if you are helper, go there. Even in the airport, you know, they have one segment only for foreign domestic helper, while the rest of the Hong Kong residents, regardless of your you know, a permanent or non-permanent status they can queue. So this kind of, uh, you know, maybe unconscious or maybe more legitima- you know, like legalizing or institutionalizing discrimination become really heavy burden and really it makes us feel very uh, left behind and, mm. you know, all the more treated uh, unfairly by Hong Kong public and even Hong Kong government. But have wages gone up? Have domestic helpers been able to no, charge last more? Year was in 
frozen. They say this is pandemic, there is no way to increase wages. And this year, the Labour Department has been inviting us for dialogue. But, you know, again, learning from the history, when there, there was a SARS, they even cut off our wages. So we are actually expecting, you know, even we are telling them many and over and over again, they really need to increase the wages because we have been struggling. And yet there is no wage increase plus. There is no even financial uh, support given to us. Hong Kong people get 10,000, 5,000, you know, like uh, uh, shopping support. But what the domestic people get nothing. It's just one half throughout what's here up to now. And that's all. It's up to the family if they will obtain all this so one, you know, uh, subsidized master by the Hong Kong government. So this is really becoming very tough for us to survive in Hong Kong. Everything is expensive, but yet we, we don't get any financial help. Okay. Uh, uh, a comment on Facebook from Akil who says, is it worth the risk for helping, uh, letting helpers in? I think the helpers should be let in without a doubt and they should be given a proper dose of vaccine in Hong Kong. There are strong doubts about the credibility of vaccines that they're getting in their home countries. Also, special accommodation with humane conditions should be offered to the new helpers. I say special accommodation because the hotel costs for quarantine are transferred onto their employers, the local middle class families, and those costs do sting a lot. Therefore, offering a special accommodation with special control pricing for domestic helpers should be the solution. That's from Akil. Uh, Do Dr. Jung, I mean, one argument would be that we don't really need domestic helpers uh, in Hong Kong. They're, they're basically uh, a luxury. Should we be putting the community at risk in this way uh, for that reason? Well, uh, it's always about comment on whether Hong Kong needs, I mean, that the families in Hong Kong needs uh, domestic helpers. I think uh, Hong Kong has the freedom of uh, uh, doing whatever um, they want uh, as long as it's not a, um, um, violated laws and regulations. Um, well, um, this is only a matter of risk management. Um, as I told before, uh, we have to minimize as much as possible for uh, those uh, infection risks um, imposing from elsewhere, I mean, for incoming travelers, no matter you are domestic helper or not. Uh, because we all know that the vaccines, even you have received two doses of vaccines, the coverage, the protection coverage is not 100% to prevent you from getting mild, moderate infection or severe infection. But, but um, this is something that we have to um, uh, encounter. Uh, just in case we somehow got a page, uh, people um, got infections, uh, even though they have already received two doses of COVID-19 vaccine. So, so, so this is the actually the the issues that we have to handle right now. So, Dr. Chung, we focused on helpers coming in from the Philippines and Indonesia, but helpers come from other countries such as Thailand, Sri Lanka and Nepal. So what's happening with them? Are they blocked from coming or are they allowed to come or do they have these special conditions imposed on them? Well, actually, um, this is a matter of whether the government would somehow discuss with uh, the corresponding countries who somehow uh, allowing the... Uh, allowing the uh, helpers uh, from those countries other than the Philippines and Indonesia come to Hong Kong. Uh, so uh, whether there should be any um, uh, regulations or somehow um, we have to look into. I think it is for the government to to <laughs> to say anything about that. Uh, but uh, we expect uh, uh, the the numbers. I mean the volumes of the the next helper coming from these two countries. 
comes to such uh, arrangement um, uh, mentioned by the Hong Kong SAR government. Mm. Mr. Chan, um, a question for you. If it's the case that 91,000 people have emigrated from Hong Kong this year, assuming that they, a lot of them, had helpers, surely there'd be a glut of helpers still in Hong Kong who haven't been able to return to their country of origin, who could take up the demand for helpers without the need for fresh ones to be coming in? migrate somewhere, of course, their workers, most of them, they stay in Hong Kong and transfer to another employer very easily. It's not an issue for, for, for any of them. So why do we have 91,000 is a lot. Why do we have uh, this sudden scarcity of helpers? Uh, I think this way. Uh, since April uh, 20 and June 20-something, when Philippines and Indonesia are banned to send workers here, uh, that, that's the most serious issue because there's no new blood to Hong Kong market. And at the same time, there is also no, we always, always call it a normal loss of the manpower because for some workers, uh, they might go home for marriage, for health reasons, for family issues, or for retirement, anything. This one happens, this one uh, happens every month. They will not stop because of the pandemic. That's why the laws keep going, but the new blood was stopped supplying. That's, yeah. that, that's the reason. Yeah, I mean, talk about normal laws. You'd expect supply and demand to mean that the domestic helpers would be able to uh, charge more uh, and get higher wages. Has that happened? Have domestic helpers seen an yes. increase? of the serious uh, imbalance between the demand and supply. That's why the, uh, the job seekers may have ability to ask for more, for more in terms of the salary or more in terms of the working condition. And has that happened? Have, have things improved for domestic helpers because of that shortage? policy, I think it can improve a little bit. A little bit. I, I have to say it's a little bit not seriously or uh, greatly improved the situation because the, the shortage is still there. And then uh, you, according to Carrie Lam's mentality, uh, orderly manner, then only a small number of the workers will be allowed in uh, gradually, step by step. Of course, we understand the mentality of uh, orderly manner. But uh, one thing I also have to, to raise the issue here. If only a small number of workers are allowed in, suppose there should be some kind of mechanism to allow which or who to come first. Because some of the employers, they are waiting for over one month. The, we, we don't have any reason to ask the employer uh, every day, midnight, and then go to book the hotel. I think the, the booking of the hotel will be a very serious fighting among employers. But suppose there are several thousand qualified workers waiting to come to Hong Kong, and several thousand of employers, they have to book hotels for their workers, and then only few hundred or even tens of hotel rooms available every day. That's why it's like a, they, they have to keep away 
of the hotel availability. Midnight, try to book at the first time. It's quite terrible. Uh, if by our idea, we would like to government to introduce like a migration plan, a pointing system. Okay, if you are taking care of the elderly with uh, bedridden or uh, paralyzed patient, you have uh, more points. You are taking care of the newly born baby with uh, couples of the employers working. You have more points. Then it will really adjust to the issue. Mm, this okay. is truly a first world problem, isn't it? <laughs> All right. Thomas, Thomas, anyway, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us this morning, uh, Chair of the Hong Kong Union of Employment Agencies. Thank you very much to Annie Lestari, founder of the Association of Indonesian Migrant Workers, and Dr. Joseph Jung, co chairman of the Medical Association's Communicable Diseases Committee. Thank you all very much indeed uh, for joining us. Uh, once again, our email is uh, backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, a quick email on uh, on another topic. Uh, Bowen says, uh, in relation to the chief executive's comments yesterday on the anti-sanctions law, um, the CE's comment yesterday could be factually accurate since the anti-sanctions law is China's important foreign strategy. She in Hong Kong could have no choice but to support putting it into Annex 3, as the pecking order would dictate. But she's not saying China has no choice. And Beijing itself has probably also learnt a lesson or two from the resoluteness and unflinching loyalty of the CE during the extradition bill saga. Hence the delay. Countermeasures tend to lead to further escalating countermeasures. Additionally, given regional competition, the financial sector's weight in Hong Kong's economy and its economic importance to China, one would have thought that Hong Kong, so distinct from China's pursuing countermeasures, is clearly capable of being suicidal for the city, as well as significantly detrimental to China's interests. It's also quite possible that there are alternative ways for Hong Kong to tackle the coercive measures Theresa Jung has complained about. The suspension of extradition agreements is governed by the terms of agreement and the Vienna Convention on the Laws of Treaties. The revoking of special customs territory status and exports relabeling for the SAR are presumably governed by WTO rules. Remedies can be sought under these instruments and international law where appropriate and by challenging sanctions in general in the targeting states' national courts. Last, the deprivation of services enjoyed by a handful of sanctioned officials can be simply ignored and punishing local corporate staff for implementing orders drafted and decided by high-powered officials in governments in other continents looks disproportionate. That is from Bowen. Bowen, uh, many thanks for that. I uh, wanted to turn uh, finally today to the uh, Law Society with the results uh, now in of the uh, 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 leadership poll. Uh, candidates uh, for the uh, Law Society uh, who had warned uh, against risking the uh, association's regulatory uh, status. Uh, uh, sorry, they have been warned uh, against risking the uh, regulatory status uh, in the wake of the government cutting ties with the teachers' union and statements by the by the chief executive. Uh, it was a clean sweep for those who supported uh, those focusing on the professional duty. For comment, we're joined now by uh, Holden Chow, a solicitor and a DAB lawmaker. Uh, Mr Chow, good morning to you. Morning, morning. Hello. Uh, hello. Uh, nice to hear you, nice and clearly. Yeah, thank you. Uh, w- uh, what do you make of the result? Well, first of all, I'm glad to see the results. Uh, I'm sure that many of our co- uh, fellow solicitors 
Uh, also happy to see the result yesterday. Um, I'm sure that these all candidates being elected, uh, they would focus on professional matters instead of uh, putting their focus on meddling with politics. And I think it's very important for law society as a professional body to focus really on professional matters. And we need uh, some concrete development for the entire industry. Uh, for example, you see that uh, last month we have more than 600 uh, lawyers who registered for examination on um, 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 getting the qualification to practice in Greater Bay Area. So you see that uh, we do need that sort of development for the entire industry. So I'm glad to see the results, and I'm sure that these all candidates will uh, put their best endeavors to focus on professional matters instead of meddling with politics. That's very important. Mr. Chow, this was not a secret ballot. I've seen one of the ballot papers, and it, it obliges you to put your name, uh, employer, phone number, and email. Is that uh, is that a, uh, appropriate? Do you think that you don't have a well, secret we, ballot? We, we do, well, <laughs> Law Society run this election with this format for many, many years. And um, I, I never doubt the decision made by our fellow solicitors. They are free to choose who, whom are they going to cast their vote. But I'm sure that people, uh, having noticed that the, uh, you know, um, uh, for other professional bodies, I need not to name that, but um, for professional bodies who, in the past, who meddle with politics, uh, who don't focus on professional matters, finally that will jeopardize the entire uh, profession. So I think that our lawyers and our fellow solicitors make a very reasonable choice. And they are free to make their own choice too. Excuse I me, think, Mr. Chow, the question was, do you think it's okay that you don't have a secret ballot? I, 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 I don't think there's a problem because we have been running for all these uh, election and all this format for many, many years within the law society. It, it's, it's a long-standing practice. I don't see any problem. But, so, you know, if, if there is a... Well, uh, sorry. If, if there is a result uh, not being favorable to some people and then we're going to cast a doubt on the entire system, that's not fair, isn't it? It's just... You, 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 you see that it only reflects that our fellow solicitors make a choice that we want the professional body to focus on profession matters. That's all, right? So, so, I, so I don't how, was the, a, yeah. how was the turnout yeah. affected this year then compared to previous years? Uh, well, I, I, I think people turn... I, I don't compare. I, I didn't have the figures to compare right now. Uh, but I see that as far as my understanding is, uh, I, I know a lot of lawyers turn out to vote, to cast their vote. And um, I'm sure that I, I, I did actually hear from many opinions from our fellow solicitors uh, that they need to cherish uh, the professional body. And they believe that law society should focus on uh, professional matters instead of copying the ways uh, to be done by Hong Kong Bar Association, uh, which meddled with politics in the past, which would ruin the entire profession. So they don't want to follow suit. Um, they want uh, the law society 
to maintain the standard, to cherish our status. So that's why they make a very reasonable choice. All right. Uh, is all. A comment on Facebook from Henry, who says, Solicitors are highly educated people and know the difference between politics and professional work. The election result is only natural and pragmatic since the spectre of government not cooperating with the society in the event a politically inclined team is elected is too daunting, particularly when Hong Kong would quicken integration with the mainland. Think about this. Beijing supports Hong Kong becoming the international arbitration centre for the Asia-Pacific region. If the law society is critical of Beijing, what would happen? That's uh, from uh, Henry. Uh, uh, Holden Chow, are you worried that, I mean, it's an unusual election, isn't it? Uh, I mean, some people would say that it looks like it's really being held at the point of a gun. Uh, metaphorically from the chief executive, you know, who's threatening the law society with being put out of business and and literally in the case of one of the the incumbents who would actually, you know, complain to the police about, about the, the, the threat of violence. Uh, you know, are, are you happy with the conduct of an election under those circumstances? Well, well I think if you trust that our sol- fellow solicitors are highly educated people, they are not easily being threatened by any single comment, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think that any particular comments made by any person would be, would be able to threaten uh, our fellow solicitors to make their choice. <laughs> as as uh, many people pointed out, we are a highly educated profession, and, and I don't have a doubt that people would be easily threaten us uh, to cast a vote. That's the first thing. The second thing is um, I think it's just... Um, the solicitors turn out to vote, cast their vote. They cherish our professional status. They want the law societies to stay focused on professional matters, and that's all. And the second thing is about the uh, uh, the person you raised. Um, uh, if there is any kind of uh, threatening or, or uh, threatening conduct in the course of election, I think that he or she should report to the police. Uh, to my understanding, I heard from, um, I, I noted from the newspaper that uh, uh, Melissa Pan, the chairperson, has already reported the case, uh, the alleged case to the police or, or on the threatening matter. So I will refer that to the police. I wouldn't put too much comment on that. But going back to your very first question, I think solicitors, lawyers are highly educated profession. I don't think that a particular comment made by any particular person would easily threaten them to um, make their choice. Well, do you mean you mean that there's no substance that the chief executive wouldn't do that? Well, I I think the chief executive is just making a point that um, professional bodies to stay focused on professional matters. So, so indeed, you, re- you really... I, indeed, uh, sorry, let me finish. Yeah. Indeed, I quite agree with her point of view. Imagine if a professional body uh, abandoned the way to focus on professional matters. Instead of doing this, they focus on meddling with politics. I mean, what's the point? What's the point to have a partnership with this sort of professional body and to fortify its status? What's the point but, but of I, the status with the government mm. uh, acknowledgement on this sort of professional body, the so-called professional body, <laughs> if, if, if they are focusing on meddling with politics, but they are not sorry. doing things, doing good things for sorry, have I got this right? But you're, professional you, development. Uh, you're, you're saying that she wouldn't actually do it. Is that right? Is that what you're saying? So, so it was it was a, it was it was a statement, but it wasn't wasn't an actual threat. 
is not a threat. She's just making a comment and to, to point out that professional bodies should focus on professional messages. That's all. I don't see it as a threat. It's not a threat, isn't it? And well, if you, it if you never, say, it will if you never say, be a threat you, because it won't, it won't be able to uh, change people's mind. I, I don't. Well, Paul I don't, I said don't otherwise. Think that our Paul, fellow solicitors will be will be influenced by mm. any person's particular comment. Just, okay, just uh, one comment, you would, your 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 decision will be changed. Or come on. Well, uh, I don't know. Paul Chair I said. Take, I take it with a pinch of salt. You, you don't think that ha- that had an impact on the election? I mean, Paul Chair. Paul Chair thought any, it did. I, I don't think there's any impact on that. Okay. It's just she's just making a point. Uh, she's just making a point to point out that professional bodies should stay focused on professional. So the chief executive That's said, common sense. Yeah, the chief executive common sense. Okay, yeah. so, so the chief executive said, if you vote for these people, we'll put you out of business. But that had no effect on the election. Well, I well uh, obviously I don't think there's a threat because people won't change their mind. We've already made up their mind on how to choose. I don't think that our fellow solicitors will be easily influenced by their sort of comments. But right? it's not it's a just only ballot. a point. Okay. She's just making a, make, she's just making a statement, isn't okay. it? Okay. Okay. Couple of uh, uh, emails. All. Okay. Couple of emails. Uh, one from Jonathan who says, as a member myself. Uh, I'm quite sad that Holden keeps saying that these candidates won't focus on or meddle with politics. They are political. They got CCP backing and they come around asking for our proxy forms. I voted for them. Was there a political coercion? I would say so. There is no free choice. That comes from Jonathan. Do you want to respond to that, Mr. Chair? Well, that's just only his uh, two cents, mm-hmm. a piece of two cents. Well, well I, I, I would stay the course and I believe that our fellow solicitors... Um, a highly educated profession. I don't think that people will be easily influenced by uh, any single particular comment. But uh, what I think what the result reflects is our solicitors, our fellow solicitors, cherish the status of law society, and they want the law society to stay focused on professional matters and professional development. And we don't want to follow suit on what's happening on the Hong Kong Bar Association, and that's all, period. Okay. Okay. One, one more comment this is what you might want to respond to. This is from Alan, who says, The hypocrisy of Holden Chow, representative of the DAB, complaining about the Law Society being politicised is awful and chilling, completely expected in today's Hong Kong. White terror is now everywhere. That comes from Alan. Do you want to respond, Mr Chow? Well, I, I totally disagree with him. That's a kind of... Uh, this kind of a smear. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, I'm just making a point. Even, even the former chief justice yesterday, he points out that the fact that the law society should focus on professional matters, let it be apolitical. Okay. Well, hold on. That's all. Many yeah. thanks for joining us, Mr. DAB uh, Lawmaker. Uh, a few more uh, comments on uh, earlier discussion. Uh, Observer says it's time to review the domestic helper policy, for example, allowing helpers to be shared between families or to do additional outside work part-time. And what about being able to bring us help from mainland China? Why do we strictly have to only uh, accept from uh, Indonesia and the Philippines? And uh, MT says each helper contract has to be registered or cancelled with the government. The government has all the data, so why not share it? Perhaps it does not support this latest initiative, or is this an example of the government opening its mouth but without having a thought-out plan and strategy? From repeated experience, uh, it is the latter. 
Uh, and uh, Kim says, very little with the recent government decisions is on Facebook about quarantine. Makes sense. Where on earth did they come up with 21 days in the first place? Professor Cowling and other medical experts have stated on numerous occasions that 10 days is more than sufficient. If the government is worried about the 2% risk, then ask individuals to home quarantine for a further four days and impose stiff penalties or massive fines. If they're worried about the minuscule risk about catching COVID in hotel quarantine, then why have they extended quarantine and subjecting people to this increased risk. In addition, this unbearably long periods of quarantine cannot be good for one's mental well-being. Once again, I'm asking which out-of-touch person is or are making these decisions. Wake up. That comes uh, from Kim. Many thanks for uh, all the uh, emails, questions and uh, comments this morning. Anna, thank you very much. Here's the weather before we go. Sunny periods and a few showers. Isolated thunderstorms this morning. Hot during the day with temperatures up to about 32 degrees in the urban areas. Uh, uh, the outlook very hot tomorrow and there'll be a few showers and sunny intervals in the following couple of days. 30 Celsius now. Relative humidity 78%. Like most parents, you may wish your child every success in life. But every child has a unique character, strengths, and abilities. And we should let them express their individuality. Comparing your child with others will only put undue pressure on them. Help your child reach their full potential so that they can grow up happily. Raise your child with love, not excessive competition. 933, the news now with Priscilla. Five lawyers who had advocated professionalism over politicization have been elected to the city's largest solicitor group's 20-member council after Chief Executive Carrie Lam warned the group to stay out of politics. An employer representative says they are worried they will lose good workers if staff are forced to get inoculated against COVID-19. The comments came after the CE urged companies to follow the government's example of requiring staff to be vaccinated. And U.S. President Joe Biden has reiterated that he's confident that the evacuation mission from Afghanistan can be, can be completed by the August the 31st deadline. We'll have more stories at 10 o'clock. Thanks a lot. <laughs>